0: I hope you're having a great holiday season. We wanted to re-air this episode with Calais Woods. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today we're talking to Calais Woods. Kalei is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a psychotherapist who specializes in helping people work through past and current traumas and finding ways to break barriers to progress in order to empower individuals to become their most authentic selves. As an integrative therapist, she doesn't believe there's a one fit solution for all clients. Every person has a unique history, set of goals, and motivation, and she believes it is the therapist's job to assess and meet everyone where they are. In this episode, Kalei breaks down the misconceptions surrounding therapy, including the idea that if you go to therapy, you must have something wrong with you, or that speaking to family and friends is therapy. She also walks us through what someone can actually expect during a therapy session and how to find the right person. And best of all, Kalei provides us with tangible strategies we can start doing today to feel and become our most authentic selves. I'm excited to share this episode with you because I myself have had such a transformative experience with therapy from dealing with past childhood traumas that I wasn't able to get past until my late twenties with the help of my therapist to dealing with current situations and daily stressors and learning how to set boundaries for myself and taking my power back. Kalei, thank you so much for coming on the show. I was, I feel like just fangirling over you a bit. Um, but I'm so excited to have you here. And one thing, you know, that really drew me to you as a therapist was I read, you know, your little caption on Instagram and it said here to empower individuals to become their most authentic selves. And I love that. Um, so I'm happy that you are here to hopefully break some stigmas about therapy. Um, and I first just want to start with a little bit more about your story and how you got into work as a therapist. And if you have, you know, did you have your own personal story with therapy? Yeah, so
1: um, my father is a forensic psychiatrist. So growing up, I always, my father is my hero. He is the best person in the world and so growing up i always knew that i wanted to do something in mental health but i didn't know exactly what it it was um but i remember being like 7 years old in the car and my father um looking at me and being like what are you thinking and so <laughs> always knowing that um what are like our thoughts are something that are powerful has always been important to me um when college. I majored in psychology, but still did not know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't want to go to medical school. That wasn't the path for me, um, but I wanted to be impactful in some some way in terms of mental health. Um, at, in my senior year um, at Spelman, I got pregnant with my oldest daughter, who is 15 now, and I was having a really difficult time co-parenting her with her father, and um when I graduated, um my my line sister, I'm in a sorority, my line sister um said, you know, um I'm I'm about to go to school for ma- uh, marriage and family therapy. And I looked back on my experience growing up and my parents weren't married either, but my father was at every single event. All of my my friends thought my parents were married because he was at um yeah, every single event, my parents were kind of a united front um for the world. And I think they did a really good job of co-parenting me. And I I thought, you know, it can be really difficult on children if their parents don't know how to co-parent well. Um, And so that's why I initially went back to school is to be an advocate for parents in co-parenting and family. So I um, went to Mercer University in Atlanta. I got my master's in marriage and family therapy. um, And during my practicum, I actually didn't see a lot of parents. Um, I um, saw a lot of individuals and realized there were so many different aspects to psychotherapy. There's marriage and family therapy, but there's also working with the individuals um, and then um, working with youth. Um, I um, worked with some um, domestic violence offenders while I was there. Um, so I really got a good scope of um, what psychotherapy could be. Um, after graduation, I knew I wanted to come back um, to, um, to California, where I'm originally from. And so I um, came back and I started working at KIPP SF Bay in San Francisco, um, doing social emotional learning skills groups um, for youth. And that's when I fell in love with, my, uh, with working with the youth. I also saw uh, juvenile offenders um, at, um, in San Francisco. Um, and I start yeah, I, I loved working with youth. After that, I um, started working in a private practice, um, a group practice. Um, where I saw um, a lot of different um, individuals and worked with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, and from there, I started my own private practice. And so that is how I have gotten here. It's been about 11, almost 12 years. Um, and I I love what I do. And I think at the, the heart of everything that I do, whether it's working with anxiety, whether it's working with depression, um, it is, is um, healing those past wounds and really understanding how you can become your best self, your most authentic self and show up in the world. And so that is always a goal. All of my my clients have different goals, but one of my top goals is always, how are you showing up um, as you and feeling good in your skin um, and in, um, yeah, just in your environment?
0: Completely. I, you know, that hits so home for me because I, I only started going to therapy. Oh, geez. Actually now it's probably been maybe seven years ago, but I wish I'd probably gone sooner. Um, and also knowing too, and I'm sure Clay, when people reach out to you, you have to find the right fit too. Right. You know, like I had some people that I saw one time and it was like, okay, not going, you know, just the vibe wasn't there or the connection wasn't there. Um, and I now luckily have a therapist, you know, here that I love, but just hearing you say like, it is, you know, a lot of emotional trauma or things you went through when you were younger. Like, that's what I always found. I'm constantly going back to not even talking about current day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so happy that you're putting such a positive spin and focusing on more, just, yeah, just bringing out your most authentic self. So you, right. So you can be happier. You can feel good each day mm-hmm. because there's such a stigma around therapy. I do think it's getting better. Yes. Um, but you know, I even think about my father's generation. It's, mm. you know, you only go to therapy that if you have issues, right. It means you have issues. And I still think there is that stigma in some parts of, the world and, you know, in our country. So I'm curious, how do you address some of those stigmas or misconceptions?
1: Mm -hmm. So by the time, um, people come to me, um, clearly they have started to break through some of those stigmas, um, in order to have a consultation. Right. Um, but I think that breaking the stigma in terms of, um, society in general, um, comes with representation. So um, there's a few things. I think that in the past Five to 10 years, social emotional learning has become much like more of a buzzword and has been incorporated in schools. And so our kids now are learning that it's OK to cry, like it's OK to express your emotions. Um, that doesn't mean you're crazy. Right. And so they're learning. And I think the next generation is going to be much better um, than we are Um I also think that it um, is social media, right? So, so um, the kids now have social media. We have social media. But when as we were growing up and older generations were growing up, they didn't have the exposure um, to other people having um, therapy. And so what we see was... Um, for example, like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, right? Like the movies and representations in movies of people who are going to therapy, but they are um, in straitjackets or they are in psychiatric hospitals, right? And so they don't, there are not a lot of representations in media um, when, at least when I was growing up and I think our old, generations where um, people were going to therapy because they just needed to work through some things. Um, They weren't crazy. They weren't completely overwhelmed. They weren't, but they just, um, yeah, they weren't hearing voices. They didn't have psychosis, um, but they just really wanted to um, talk about things that are going on. Um, And I think that part of the stigma is like, oh, I don't think people really understand um, what therapy is, right? um and so they think that oh i go to a the therapist because i'm crazy and then i'm going to get a, uh, get medication um, but you know psychiatrists give medication you know therapists don't um don't um, medicate people and so you may if you need um, medication sometimes then you know your therapist may refer you to a psychiatrist but a therapist is really to like we said um kind of work through some of those psychological barriers um, that you have from moving forward into whatever goals you have in life. Um, And so I think that, yeah, I I think that representation is really, really important. One of my questions on one of um, my assessment that I give people um, during our first session is, um, do you know of any family members who have mental health issues? Um, And oftentimes I find that the more self-aware patients or clients um, know about their family history um their parents have talked to them about their battles with depression their parents have talked to them about their um anxiety or their parents have talked to them couples their uh, parents have talked to them about oh well you know we we went to a couples therapist um when we were having issues in our marriage um sometimes when i have clients who has talked to them and they don't know, they're not as self-aware. And so I think that that's also a stigma. We we do what we are modeled to do, right? So um, if our parents said therapy was okay, like we will go to therapy. Um, If our parents say that therapy is um, not something that you do, then you probably won't, um, that probably won't be one of the first things that you access. Um, And so I think modeling is really, really important.
0: And that's something we can all do. Right. You know, even if you're not going to therapy, you can at least model that it's okay. And it's beneficial. And, um, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you had a post recently that I loved and it was the misconception of, um, talking to family and friends Mm -hmm. is my therapy. Yeah. So can you share with us why that's, you know, a little bit of a misconception?
1: I think it's um, a misconception because there there's the greatest thing about therapy is that you can go and talk about yourself the entire time. Right. So um, and a lot of people don't have that space and you don't feel that space until you get into therapy. Um, The therapy Therapy is not about the therapist. It it definitely is a relationship, but it's about you. And most people, especially adults, don't have time to just have an hour to themselves where they focus on themselves. Um, And so... um, So that's number one. Number two, family and friends tend to be biased. They know your life. They know the people in your life. um, And so they are coming from from not an objective view. A therapist can see your, and this is how I explain my role as a therapist, but in California, we have these forest fires. And above um, the forest fires are helicopters um, who are telling the firefighters on the ground where to put out the fires. And so I see myself as the helicopter and my clients as the firefighter. They are doing all of the work on the ground. But sometimes when you have fire right in front of you, you can't see where to put it out. Um, And so... um, oftentimes your friends and family are down there in the fire with you um, and they can't, they can't have um, a bird's eye view of, of your life. And so um, that's number two um, for therapy. Um, and then number three, therapists are really trained. We, we spend years training um, how to recognize patterns, um, different interventions and exercises that are helpful. Um, sometimes friends and family can say things um, that they feel is helpful, but it may not be helpful at that time. Um, and so it, it, it it's a different dynamic, both um, talking to friends and family is important, but, um, therapy just offers a completely different, um, experience and dynamic.
0: Yeah, no. And that's such a good analogy. I love that. And it's, um, for myself, I think about, I've been in similar situations where a family member, usually my sister, you know, I used to like, I feel like she used to be my therapist before I really saw a therapist. Mm -hmm. And she would also agree with me a lot of the time, right? So she was validating my feelings. But when you talk to a therapist and you get validation from a professional Mm -hmm. who, like you said, has, you know, years and years of background and schooling, it's a different kind of validation that I find helps you move on yeah. and move forward. Right. Yeah. Because I think we all in a sense, you know, may know that talking to family and friends, they may just agree with us or they do have some type of bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really powerful too, but I, I saw that and I was like, we have to talk about that because I hear so many clients. So I like, I'm okay. Like my mom and I just talk it through. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's different. Um, but also knowing too, like you said, I think one of the best things about therapy and to get people in the door and open to it is you do, you get to talk about yourself. It's all about you for an hour, hour and a half, Mm -hmm. whatever you choose. And, um, I found too some of my best therapy sessions have been the times where I'm like, oh, I have nothing to say today. Yeah. Nothing's happened. Nothing's going on. Right. And then we just start talking, and things come out, and things that I didn't even know mm. were going on or bothering me or that I needed to work through just spill out. Right. So, knowing too that even if you feel like you have nothing to say, I'm sure we all can find things to say. I mean, we all have, I don't want to say issues because again, that puts it on like you go if you have issues, but Mm. we all
1: have things to work through. That's normal. That's life. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that even the bird's eye view, um, analogy that I gave it works therapists, we go to therapy, right? So, you know, my husband and I are in marriage and family or in marital therapy right now, because I can't, even though I know the patterns, I, I can't all, I have blind spots myself. Right. So it's important that, um, that you always have an objective view. You always have somebody. And just as a therapist might validate you, um, oftentimes we're, we're validating other people. Um, we challenge your, your beliefs as well. Right. Um, that, that's our job not to, not to, um, tell you what to do, but to question, um, and explore things with you and, and, challenge, Um, some of those negative belief systems that you have. Um, and so, and you may not get that from family. Family um tends to, tends to, not always, but enable people. Um, um, and so I think that therapy is really good for validation and and to offer just a different point of view.
0: And that really leads to that best authentic self, right? You know, like that those challenges. I love that. So could you walk us through Clay? Like obviously. You know, I'm a big promoter of therapy, but if someone's listening and they've never seen a therapist or been to therapy, what could they expect out of a session? I know that's Um, different for all therapists. Like, generally, what could they
1: expect? Yeah, so... I'll take it from the very, very beginning. Like if you're listening and you are thinking about going to therapy, I would go, um, and get some referrals. Um, that could be online that could be through friend, family and friends. And I would call a few therapists, um, and kind of interview therapists. Um, and in your interview, um, I don't, it's hard to say exactly what you're looking for. Um, You want them to have a clear plan of action. Now they won't have a a specific plan of action for who you are because they don't know you um, 100%, but a a clear plan of action in terms of the way that work. Um, And just based on what you are presenting, the issues you're presenting, kind of what they think um, would be best for you. So you should be able to see a a plan, a little bit of a plan um, from that consultation. You should also feel comfortable. Like you should be able to feel like you can talk to this person and that they will understand you and they won't be biased or judgmental um, towards you. Um, Those are the biggest things that I look for um, in a therapist, knowledge of what they're doing. um, And then, you know, do I feel like I can talk to them? Um, Because trust is huge in the therapeutic relationship. Um, From there, the first couple sessions, um, most likely, at least in the way that I work, um, will be getting a good history. Of your life and your story and whatever issue you're bringing, um, and then developing a relationship, developing a trusting relationship. Um, from there, um, they will um, either develop a treatment plan on their own and share with you. It just depends if um, what kind of modality they're using, um, but um, they'll develop a treatment plan and just kind of talk to you about the goals that they see um, for you in in therapy and then. De- the, um, ways in which, um, you guys will work through those things. Um, it should be a collaborative kind of thing. Like, I'm not going to just say, oh, well, I see this, 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 this in terms of your goals. And, um, you are like, well, I didn't want any of those things (laughs) to work on any of those things. So it should be a collaborative. Collaborative approach. And then from there, um, sessions will, like a typical session with me after that. um, So, like after the third or fourth session, really looks like um, you bringing to the table um, whatever um, is going on for you. Um, in the moment. Um, and we'll talk just a little bit about what's going on um, with you for, in the moment. And then if there's nothing pressing, then we'll work towards those goals. Um, so if your goals are to reduce anxiety, we'll um, do some exercises to reduce anxiety. Um, those might be cognitive behavioral exercises. Those might be somatic deep breathing type exercises. Most often though, when clients are bringing things that are going on for them during the week, they have to do with their goals. And so I will relate them to whatever's going on in their life. I am a homework person. I know not all therapists are, um, but I, I tell my clients that my job is to work, at, work myself out of a job. Um, and just like in school, um, when you have a lesson in class, um, the homework um, really helps um, kind of um, solidify that knowledge. And so I um, give often give my clients homework, Not, nothing too crazy, um, but I want them to feel aware outside of therapy as well, um, spend some time on themselves outside of therapy. And so um, the homework will relate to the goals as well. Um, and so that's what a uh, session looks like. Um, it can be difficult. Um, And I say that at the very beginning, um, that therapy, you know, it's a process, it's an emotional process. And a lot of us have been taught to suppress our emotions. And so it is relearning um, our emotions and how to react towards those emotions. Um, And sometimes when you're digging up um, really significant experiences in your life, it can be really um, hard. Um, And that doesn't mean that therapy isn't working. That means that therapy is working. (laughs) um, and, um, but it will get better. Um, it will get better with time and work. So, um, I hope I answered your question.
0: That, that was a great answer. And there's a few things I want to address that you said, you know, one being what you just said about those hard times too. Right. And those I found are the times where I've, I've had the toughest time. It's the biggest emotional release, mm-hmm. which then has propelled me the most forwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like those hard times, as much as they are hard in the moment, mm-hmm. they usually are your, you know, your progressive points, your, your breakthrough points. Right, 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 Um, and I also wanted to mention too, the fact that like, you know, we're, I mentioned this earlier too, but like you can be, you know, trying to find a therapist, just like how we try to find a doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have made the mistake where I just found someone online that was closest to me. So it would be a quick drive. Didn't read their bio, oh. didn't connect with them on the phone. And it was not a good experience. Yeah. So I really encourage anyone that is looking to go to therapy to do you know, take the time before, like you said, to call different therapists, interview them, read their bios, see if it would be a good fit for you. Because I will say it's discouraging if you do see someone and you know, there just isn't that connection. Cause you know, at that point, when you're committed, you're kind of excited to go, you know, you're ready to go. So I really encourage people to do that. Um, I'm so curious in terms of like specific strategies or coping strategies that people can incorporate to empower themselves to be their most authentic self? Do you have specific things that you'll, you know, teach your patients or just teach people in general?
1: Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite things to do, I think that in in understanding or becoming your most authentic self, you have to understand um, who you want to be yeah. or who you are yeah, who you are and who you want to be. So one of the first things that I I do for clients is I have them do this really short exercise. It's called the I am exercise. And they write down in the middle of a piece of paper, I am, and then all around it, they will write everything that they are. So it could be your roles, right? It could be, I'm a mother, I'm a teacher, I am a therapist, um, but it also can be, I am kind, I am gentle, I am beautiful. Um, I am a performer, I'm a dancer. Um, it could be whatever you want to want it to be. Take about 10 minutes. I get a lot, I glean a lot of information from that. It's often difficult for people to write down um, what they are or who they are. Um, And so when it's difficult for um, people to write down who they are, um, then we take a really good piece of time, just kind of understanding like, okay, well, it was difficult for you to do this exercise. I'm going to challenge you for the next seven days to add one more thing to who you are. Um, Oftentimes people write down negative things. And so um, it's, uh, I am um, broken. Um, And so I want, I'll use that um, to kind of ask them, well, what's going on? Why do you feel as though you're broken um, to work on their self-esteem, their self-concept. Um, and so it, it really helps um, kind of identify where they are in the process. Um, so self-awareness is number one. I think that that's a great exercise. Um, then I also want them to write down goals. So another is like write down 50 goals you know, like it, uh, of what do you want to go to the Taj Mahal? I don't know, like what, write down any goals that you have for yourself. Where do you see yourself being? Um, and, um, that really helps kind of guide, um, you know, what they want. Oftentimes it's, I want to be here for my professional life. I want to be here for my personal life. I want to be here spiritually. Um, and so then, are you doing, are you acting in ways that are in alignment with um, what you want out of your life? Do you have the people that you um, want in your life? Because your environment um, really speaks to who you are as a person. If you have a lot of negative Friends, then oftentimes you are going to take that negativity, and you're going to have more not negative thoughts, and you're going to behave in a negative way. If you have positive people in your life who are uplifting you, um, then you are going to have more positive thoughts, and then more positive behaviors. Um, and so, um, really looking at the people um, and environment that you're in is really important. Maybe you know, change, switching those kind of things around. Um, I also think in just some. And these are just little things to um, kind of assess, you know, like where, how empowering um, or how empowered you are looking at your boundaries. Like, um, are you a people pleaser? Do you say yes to everybody, even though you don't want to say yes to everybody? Because um, there's a lot of, lot of us that are are, are healers, and um, but to our own detriment, right? And so when you find that you're a healer to your own detriment, um, then you have to look at like, what ways am I taking care of myself? What ways am I um, saying yes to myself? Um, and the final thing is, you know, I know self-care is just like the this cliche thing. Um, so I'll say self investment, but what ways are you investing in yourself? Um, whether that is working out and really just taking care of your body, whether that's eating right, whether, whether that's getting enough sleep, or it could be taking trips to Milan or um, going to the spa. You know, self care looks so much different um, for everyone. Um, I start with self-care in terms of like, what are the things that bring you joy in life? Um, I know the things that bring me joy um, are simple things like um, Thai iced tea brings me joy. Um, I can't have it every day because it's like 800 calories, but I know that um, that brings me joy. I know working out daily brings me joy. Feeling good in my body brings me joy. Um and so writing down all the things that bring you joy and then incorporate incorporating those things on a daily basis. Um, and I think about it as like a penny um, or not a penny, but as a bank, like you're pouring into the bank because life is going to take so much out of you. Um, so what are you pouring into yourself every day? Um, and the more that you do things that bring you joy, joy the more authentic um. You will feel.
0: Oh, so well so. said. So well said. And I realized, Kelly, I remembered what I was going to say. I love that you give homework. I think that was probably one of the the ways that really got me to make changes was because I knew I was like going to get that homework checked. You know, yeah. and yeah. um, I love all the things you just shared too about being how to kind of reach that your best authentic self and easy ways that anyone can do at home too. Right. And mm-hmm. know that, yeah, it may not be the easiest thing to write down all your IMs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it does bring that self-awareness. If you look at it and you notice most of them are negative or yeah. Um, hopefully a lot of them are positive. And then that's a great thing to refer to when you're having a down day. Right. And I'm sure you refer back to that list. If someone comes in and they're having,
1: I I do, I do. Um, and then I make people, um, I make them their affirmations, right. So if you, if the, all of the adjectives, I am kind, I am capable, I am creative. Um, those are affirmations that you can do every morning um, and every evening to ground yourself um, in your authentic self.
0: Yeah. How I'm curious, cause I know you're a big proponent of affirmations. How do you find they can really help people?
1: I, I like I said, with, in terms of having positivity around you and having negative negativity around you. um, If you're speaking to yourself in positive ways, your thoughts, and this is um, basically one of the basic tenets of cognitive behavioral therapy is that um, your thoughts become your behaviors or become your actions and become your behaviors and become your habits. Um, And so um, oftentimes we get stuck in anxiety and depression because we're only thinking in the negative. Um, And so if you're thinking in the positive, positive if you can change um those negative thoughts into positive thoughts or reframe them into positive thoughts then um then you will have more ne- uh, more positive i'm sorry um behaviors and actions over time
0: and yeah, it takes time yeah no and isn't it i i'm trying to remember a statistic but isn't it like at least 80% of our thoughts are negative or there's, you know, it's a crazy amount that are so much, you know, we are so consumed with negative thoughts over positive that we have to actively
1: think positively. Correct. Yeah. You have to actively do the work and it's training, it's training mind. Um, The mind isn't necessarily a muscle, but you can train it like a muscle. Um, And that's what, where the heart comes in. That's where the therapy comes in. Um, And that's really where the work comes in Um, because, Oftentimes, we want to just give up. And that's actually one of the reasons why working out for me is um, a huge um, piece of self care. Um, but I, it's also active work um, because when I'm lifting those weights and I want to drop them, I have to like constantly think about, okay, no, like this is going to take me to the next level. No, this is going to make me feel better. No, I need to complete this set. And it really, has taught me to work through difficult times and that you can be confident that you can have emotions that you things can be hard but you can do it anyways um and having that po- positive mindset takes people so much further um having that growth mindset um really changes um who we are as people
0: completely and there's something my therapist shared with me that I thought was really powerful again for like anyone that's listening. That's like, I don't feel like I'm going through anything right now, or I don't have any, anything I'm working through. Um, she always said it's better to go to therapy when, you know, I'm going to say, but like when shit's not hitting the fan, right. Yep. It's, yes. it's better to yes. get ahead of it. And she was, actually, yes. like, she was really, um, my husband and I were about to get married and she was sharing her own. Cause she's in marital counseling with her husband. And mm-hmm. she was like, you know, it's always good. Even if, you know, any couple or any person even just goes to therapy, like quarterly, right. Four times a year, even if stuff isn't going on mm-hmm. because it helps prevent those things from recurring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I just, you know, I, Therapies for everyone. That's how I feel. And um again, I don't I think it's really just the stigma that prevents people because I don't know who wouldn't want to go in and just be able to talk about themselves and mm. unleash their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for people during COVID that may live alone, right? You know, who are they talking to? Yeah. So I'm sure it has have things changed with COVID for you and just with patients and
1: yeah. I mean that well, um my <laughs> My practice basically completely blossomed over (laughs) over, it it exploded over COVID. Um, um, I think it's a mixture of things. I think that people have been isolated. um, And that isolation has caused a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. I think that also not knowing when this thing is going to end really, like when we're going to be able to get back to regular life, has caused a lot of anxiety because most people um, have anxiety over the unknown, like things that they can't control. Um and um it's been difficult. It's been difficult for parents. It's been difficult for single people. It's been difficult for um relationships when you have to spend that much time with a partner. Um, and it's been different difficult for our kids. I see a lot of adolescents who are really, really struggling um because they're going through puberty and going through shelter in place. And now they are um, Inundated with, you know, social media, you know, so they're on social media all the time. They're being fed um, different narratives. They are comparing themselves. Um, so it, it's COVID has affected mental health in such significant ways, um, and. Then there's the other side of it, you know, like a lot of families are spending more time together. You know, we, we run around all the time. And so, um, it's, it's been good to, to be able to see families really connect and, and, and spend time together. So I think, I think that there's a duality to it. Um, but COVID has really just been, um, really impactful, um, yes. on mental health.
0: A hundred percent. Um, So where, Clay, can people connect with you, find you, work with you if they're interested in working with you?
1: Yeah. So um, my website is kwoodsmft.com and you can find me on Instagram at kwoodsmft. Um, and if you want to just send me an email, you can um, email me at kwoodsmft at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely follow Clay on Instagram. I love everything you put out. It's always just like such yeah. a good nugget of information and and reflective. That's what I always find. Like if I'm reading your post, it's so reflective and usually improves my day just from those tiny moments of reflection. So thank you for that. Um, we do, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's having those little moments throughout the day, whether it's reflection or getting outside to be in your own thoughts, Yeah, I'm so appreciative of them because They can change my whole day around. Yeah. You know, for me, it's like a morning walk versus a day without a morning walk. I always say it on here, completely different days. Completely, completely. So, you know, I've so much appreciation. And especially for people like you that are helping people to realize those things. Um, Mm -hmm. but now for the fun part. So we love to end every episode with a little rapid fire QA. first first thing that comes to mind, they're all fun. Don't worry. Um, first thing that comes to mind first is favorite de-stressing practice or tool. (laughs)
1: Um, okay. So two, so working out Yep. and I laugh because sex, sex. I love
0: it. I love it. Um, coffee or tea.
1: Oh, that's hard. Um, I'm, i am gotten into coffee, but I, I was a tea person. Um, so I'm going to say coffee now because okay. that's where I am. And how,
0: like, what's your favorite coffee or tea? Like, how do you take it? Oh,
1: uh, coffee with, um, actually cream with coffee. <laughs> um, so like, <laughs> Very, very, very light, very, very sugary, even though, yeah, so French vanilla. And what about tea? Not, like, what coffee- was what was your favorite tea? Um, chamomile. Love it. Very different than coffee. <laughs> yeah, very different than coffee. Um, and I but I I'm trying to get off of coffee. So, um, because it's not it's not good for your teeth. And <laughs> and um it gets me jittery after a while so um yeah i'm yeah.
0: with you i'm a, i'm a decaf girl all the way because i just get way too jittery um and for my favorite question final question is what is your favorite home cooked meal
1: oh my gosh i mean i i'm going to have to go with the like the macaroni and cheese and uh I, yeah. Mac and cheese and like, I love salmon mm. and candy yams. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: that sounds so um, yeah. good. And yeah. do you, do you make your own
1: Mac and cheese or is it like I family members? Well, so okay. it's okay. So it's my mom's, um, but my mom passed away in 2007. And so I, I've taken her recipe. She was a chef. So I take, I've taken her recipe um and that's like i'm not i am not um like martha stewart by any means <laughs> like but um I can cook like certain things. I can do anything to a potato like, <laughs> and then my mac and cheese is good. Oh,
0: I love that. Well, now you're making me hungry. This is, it's always happens at the end of every episode because I ask that question and then people say like some delicious answer. I'm like, okay, now, now I'm like, I want some mac and cheese, especially being pregnant right now. I'm like, that oh, sounds congratulations. delightful. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. How far
1: but, along yeah. are you?
0: Um, I am 23 weeks. Oh, like yeah. you're, you're almost getting, you're getting, We're there. getting there and it, it is our first. Yeah. So, you know, experiencing all, oh. all the changes, but yeah, to hear Mac and cheese right now, I'm like, probably oh. going to ask my husband, so where, like, are you going to go pick me up some or how are we going to do this? <laughs>
1: oh, well I'll have to send the
0: rest. Oh my, gosh. I would love you. that. Um, it's, it's really easy. It's really easy. So I'll send thank it. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on. This has been so great. I hope we can connect more, um, after, yes. but it's just been such a breath of fresh air having you on this week. I encourage you to do Calais I am exercise to find out who you are and what you are and be on your way to becoming your most authentic self. As a reminder, you write down in the middle of a piece of paper, I am, and then all around it, write down everything you are, including your roles, attributes, what you are or identify with both positive and negative for about 10 minutes. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Stephen. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.